Somebody in here, I think, needs this message that I'm going to preach this morning, or God's going to put it on the heart to preach it. And so that's just kind of what I do. I, I, I sometimes he puts a word in my mouth. Sometimes he gives a thought in my mind, and, and from that point, then I'll I'll go and I'll study and I'll prepare, and that's what's in my flesh. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to do uh, this morning. Before I do, though, I was just think, sitting there thinking as we were going through some of the hymns and singing some of the hymns. Um, you know, if if uh, Kiana's beautiful and uh, if if Wayne Roberts and Keith Hamill and Ross Craig is beautiful and we've got uh, wonderful uh, pianists in this in this church and blessed by that and sometimes thanks be to God for His grace upon us. But I just want to make this statement: if the the old songs and the hymns, if they don't inspire us, um, I just I just want to help you understand that. I want to help you. Be disciplined in it because we don't we just don't use the the instrumentation in any of our lives that they that they were. Um, one day, about this last two years ago, I said, "Man, before when our daughter played, uh, there'd be a digital demo came back to us. The studio had the music so loud that they were drowning out." Work. You couldn't really hear the tuning that was going on, and I had to we had to go back to them and say, "Listen, I know that's what you're used to. Maybe that's not what you want. We're singing the songs because of the meaning of the words, and so the words have got to be heard." So, uh, what I just like to say, and and I had this just a week or two after I caught myself kind of drifting in a song, but once I stopped and said, "Hey, Peter, man, the words." Judges chapter 11, 
verses 1 through 3, we just read, and I'll read it again. It says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. And then it makes a very unique statement. It says, And he was the son of a bondsman. And Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons. So now he and his wife is having more children after this first son, Jephthah, who is born by her. And his, Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah. And I want you to notice the terminology. They didn't ask him to leave. They thrust him out. And said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then, and I want you to notice this terminology too. It says, Then Jephthah fled from his brethren. Fled. Again, he didn't just pack his bags and leave. He had to get out, he had to get away. Me personally, the way the terminology is, I believe they, they probably, if he tried to hang around and tried to be a part of it, they would have killed him. And so it's, and it says he dwelt in the land. You, you know, it's pronounced different ways, or tov or tov. And so, and, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. I want to have a word of prayer and then I'll get started. Father, I pray that you're blessed this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I, I ask you to guide my mind, my thoughts, Lord. Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. I can say nothing. I can do nothing. I have no power or wisdom of my own. Holy Spirit, I pray that you please guide me, that someone would be helped and encouraged. And, and Lord, that they would be uplifted and used of God because of this service today. Please bless me. As I know you will, as you promised that you would. And if we will ask, we will receive. And I bless you, Holy Spirit, and I, I yield myself to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice in, in this very unique passage of scriptures that when he fled, these vain men were gathered to him. So he's trying to escape from his family and vain men are gathered to him. Now that definition of vain men means empty or worthless men were gathered to him. Now, I want you to understand this. This is just something I truly believe, and I believe, and it is true, and that's why I truly believe it. And that's this. God doesn't make any junk. Okay? So God did not make them vain men. Okay? God doesn't make anybody to be empty and worthless. And the truth is, I do not believe so long as any human being is living and breathing that God believes that they are empty or worthless. I don't care where you are in your life right now or how you're feeling right now or, or what you've been through right now, but I'm going to tell you this, God sees something very valuable in you. God sees you and wants to use you. Do you believe that? You've got to believe God wants to use you, not somebody else. I'll see people all the time, and I have to be honest with you. In my younger years, I did this, and, and I would, I would uh, be in a crisis situation when I would run to somebody else for prayer and say, you pray, because I just felt like, would God hear me? And I preached a little bit to you already about this, but, but, but we have that tendency to feel like we are so unworthy. Well, let me help you. None of us are truly worthy by our merit, but God sees, he created us. 
God didn't mess up. He didn't run out of stuff to make somebody and just leftovers with you. He didn't do that. It's obvious with some because he had more than leftovers when he made you. You'll catch that later. Now, the fact is God created you and he created you perfectly the way you are. When I was a kid in grade school, they'd make fun of my nose. All the time, make fun of my nose. My teacher in science about fifth grade said, said that you know that there's two parts of the body, even after you die, keeps growing. Did you know that? Your ears and your nose keep growing, even after you die. Now, I don't know how long they keep growing after you die, but they say keep growing after you die. Now, that was in fifth grade, and that woman may have been crazy, but... The fact is, that's what they told me in fifth grade. And some kid raised his hand and said, well, what about Robert's nose? Is it going to keep growing? And he said, because right now it looks like a turkey when he puts out his feathers. <laughs> now, I, I, I began to feel kind of insecure about that. So for the next 20 years, I walked around doing this. I was always squeaking. Now I got my nose running. Uh, <laughs> I was always squeezing my nose, trying to tighten it up, make it smaller. Guess what? It didn't work. It is what it is, what God created. And God created perfect. And that's why I'm so beautiful. I didn't get no amens or nothing, did I? All right. He says, he's, he's, but see, here's the problem. The Bible says they were empty and worthless. It says they were vain. You say, well, then God must think they're vain. No, the Bible is stating, I believe this is what God's teaching us. The Bible is stating what society thought of them and what they thought of themselves. What they believed about themselves. Now, the truth is, this can happen in a family. It can happen in a business or a church or country. There can be a person or a people that feel worthless. When we have been rejected by family, rejected by people, rejected by leadership, rejected by the community, Satan comes with lies that can greatly affect our minds. And here's what he does. He comes to us and he says, you're no good. He says, you're worthless. He says, you can never do anything worthwhile. He says, you can never be used of God. You can't live the Christian life. You may be here this morning and you want so much to have the Christian life. You want so much to have the peace that serving God is. But something down inside of you keeps telling you, maybe that little something on your shoulder keeps telling you, you can't do it. I'll be honest, I talked to a man yesterday and, and part of the struggle, he said, is that, you know, this wanting to believe he's saved, was struggling with believing he's saved because there's some things in his life he's struggling with. And you know what the devil will tell you? No, you couldn't be a Christian because you still got this in your life. Well, let me help you folks. Everybody in here, you got something still in your life. That's right. Amen. We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. 
We weren't good enough to get saved and we won't be good enough to keep our salvation. The truth is, it's by grace. And thank God Jesus paid it all when he hung on the cross for us. We have no hope. That, you know, if there was any way that I could live good enough to go to heaven, why in the world would God send his son? But God sent his son to bleed and die, be beaten beyond recognition. He sent his son to do that for us because there is no way there is enough goodness in any of us to earn our way to heaven. We can't even help ourselves get to heaven. But old Satan will tell you that you can't live the Christian life or, or listen to this, he'll tell you you're destined to fail. No matter what you do, you're going to fail. Or I'll end up like those before me. That's where it's going to end up. When we believe these lies, listen to this, I beg you, when we believe these lies, what tends to happen is we will surround ourselves with people of like minds. When Jephthah left, it doesn't say that he was vain. It says that vain men were gathered unto him. But let me help you. Jephthah left feeling worthless. He lost everything. He was, he was a son of a harlot. He was not, not accepted by his family. His family and his community cast him out. He had to flee just to survive. He leaves losing his inheritance. He leaves losing his possessions. He leaves losing his family. He leaves losing everything. When he leaves, he leaves feeling rejected to the ultimate. He is rejected. He is lost. He is hopeless. And when he walks out, he feels empty and vain. And guess who gathered to you? See, be it, you can be empty and vain and still be a leader. Amen. You have gangs in Memphis like you do in any big city. And can I tell you, sadly, what a lot of those old boys are in those gangs, there are people that feel empty. Somewhere along the way, they came along feeling useless and worthless but there was a leader who felt useless and worthless and he felt vain and purposeless in life, but he was still a leader in, in his own right. And what happens is he starts gathering others to him of like mind. But I'm here to tell you that that chain that binds someone in this room right now, the chain that the, that the devil forms as he tells lie after lie to your ears and tells you that you're no good and tells you you never be used to God, tells you that you're worthless and tells you that it's all hopeless to you and that chain gets tighter and tighter binding you. Can I tell you, that chain can be broken. It can be broken this morning. You can snap that chain and be free. God says, that he can make you free. I'll be very delicate with this because I have family here, but I don't know exactly how old I was when I saw this for the first time, but, but I was a teenage boy somewhere along the way, and, and I can still remember seeing a picture of my mama, and she was probably and I really don't know for sure, but I'm assuming somewhere probably late, you know, 15, maybe 16 years of age. And she was sitting in a, in a chair and she had a, a baby boy in her, 
in her arms. And behind her were four men standing there with big smiles on their faces with big whiskey bottles in their hands. And as I, in my memory, look back at that picture, I think what was really sitting there was, was a woman that felt because of the lies of Satan that she was bound to the life she had come from. She was chained. And I don't know how it happened. Only I can tell you why it happened. But I believe through the love of a mother for her son. It was love that broke the chain. Because I wasn't even born yet, but I can tell you this, somewhere along the way, that woman stood up and said, I don't care who tells me I can't have a life. I don't care how much they tell me that, that I'm going to end up like everybody else. I don't care how much they tell me it's going to be worthless. Somehow she snapped that chain through the love for her child. And from that love, listen to me, I grew up in a home that all I saw was love and I never saw a drop of alcohol in my home. Because the chain can be broken. She refused the lie. She said, I can have a life. And I can have a life worth living. Satan's lies for years bound her in a chain of hopelessness. But a lie cannot bind you if you know the truth. For the truth will make you free. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Jephthah was a son of a prostitute. Jephthah was run off from his home. Jephthah was rejected by his family and his brothers. Jephthah had his possessions and his inheritance stolen. What will he do? What's going to happen with Jephthah? Where is, it, where is he going to end up? If he believes the devil's lie, he will live out his life in depression, rejection, and bitterness. He will battle with, with depression and rejection and bitterness his whole life. If he believes the devil's lie, he will never accomplish anything. Believing, he's destined to fail. If he believes the devil's lie, he will live in hopelessness and despair. But what really happens in Jephthah's life is so vastly different. I want you to go back to the passage of Scripture, chapter 11, go to verse 4. Verse 4 says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we might fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Wait a minute now, listen to this. Did, did not you hate me and expel me? Out of my father's house? And why are you come unto me now when you are in distress? Now, right there, folks, before I got saved, let me tell you, if you've done all this stuff to me and now you're coming to me for help, you couldn't even print what I tell you. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care what you're promising me. It would not be worth the joy of watching you get the snot whipped out of you. And you shouldn't say that in the pulpit. And I don't know where that came from. Forgive me. 
But you understand my attitude would be, hey, God bless you. I'm out of here. And I hope they whooped a fool out of you. That's the way I'd have been. You say, well, man, now Jephthah, they're trying to make him the leader. Now, uh, that must, that's going to give him a lot of power and probably a lot of money. And he's going to, now, why, wait a minute now. Jephthah apparently is already powerful. You understand, they're coming to Jephthah for help. And it's not because this one man's going to walk in and say, okay, I'm going to make the difference now in this fight. Now, d- let me help you. If Brother Allen got in a fight with every man in this building, at once, I would stand back and watch. No, and he came to me and said, Brother Hooker, come help me. Well, let me tell you, it ain't going to make a whole lot of difference right there. I'm not going to make a lot of difference. But if I got about 20, 30, 40 men with me, and he says, come help me, but really he's meaning bring everybody you got, then we're going to make a difference. Now, Jephthah, when they went after Jephthah, they weren't just going after Jephthah. They was going after everybody Jephthah had. Apparently, Jephthah was already powerful. I think at least equally as powerful as those that wanted his help. So he didn't need them. They needed him. But let's see what he does. In verse 8, it says, And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Amnon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Now again, watch this now. If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Amnon and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? Now they just got through saying he would be. Let me help you. Jeph is still struggling a little bit with a trust issue right now. He's saying, now, I heard what you said, but you already done messed me up once. Big time. Why should I trust you? And then, but look what happens here. He said in verse 10, and the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, the Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. So basically he says, you're going to have to swear to me, to God, that you're going to do this. I still don't think that's because Jephthah wanted this power. There's something else that's taken place, and we're going to see this. Again, most of us, if we'd been mistreated, hurt, abused, would not consider helping the ones who hurt us. Jephthah does not need them. They need him. Jephthah does not need their power, their possessions, their recognition, or wealth, for he is obviously, he was wealthy and powerful already, and they needed him. What happened to Jephthah that he would even consider helping those who cast him out? I believe Jephthah had found the truth somewhere along the way. The truth that washed away the lies of Satan. You see, he went out a vain man and gathered vain men to him. They found him because he was a strong leader. He was a valiant man. He was a man of valor. And, and he, now look, you can, 
You say, well, that, isn't that contradictory? No, it's not. You can be strong and powerful and still feel empty and worthless. And he went out and these people gathered to him and he became very strong. But somewhere along the way, something happened to Jephthah. He no longer was a vain man. He no longer believed the lies of Satan. And can I tell you, listen, Satan is alive and well, amen? He is, whether we understand or not and don't believe whatever this old world's trying to propagate out there, there really is a heaven, there really is a hell. There is an almighty God, there's his son and God incarnate in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and there is a real being called Satan. And there is a warfare going on right now in this room for the souls of men. A warfare by angelic beings that are fighting. Uh, and, and, and we pray, I often pray, and I, and I failed to this morning, but pray a hedge of protection. And I'll ask God even right now to build a hedge of protection around this place to protect us, to shield us from the satanic enemy that would like to take and sift out and to snatch away the truth that might start entering your heart because there's a battle going on for your life. There's a battle going on for my life. I believe there are angelic beings that, 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 that go with each and every human being here uh, to, to protect us, to fight for us. And I believe there are satanic beings that want to destroy us. As a kid growing up and out in the country, we would run and play and, and climb those hills and jump out of trees and do everything. And, and I'm telling you, if there wasn't some angelic being that was protecting us, we'd all be dead. And I'm telling you, by the end of the night, the one that was protecting me came in, sat down beside my bed and said, wow, he's a mess. But in fact, we... God is in charge here, and, and, and we have a war going on, but bless God, listen, we don't have to listen to the lies that he keeps telling us. And he'll take every opportunity. He'll take any down moment. He'll take any negative thing. He'll take any hurtful word, and he will crawl on your shoulder and instantaneously and tell you lie after lie and tell you why people don't like you, tell you why you're never going to succeed, tell you why you're never going to make it, tell you you can never live the Christian life. But I'm here to tell you, here's what we have to do. We have authority and power through Jesus Christ, and we tell him immediately, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. I'm not believing you. I don't believe you. Jephthah found somewhere along the way he understood that blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands and happy shalt thou be and it shall be well with thee. You know, you can be happy when you stop believing the lies. You can be at peace when you stop believing the lies. You say, Brother Hooker, how do you come up with this? Let me show you my evidence. I'm, I, I used to do a little bit of investigation. That's the way I read the Bible, study the Bible. I find the facts. I, I, and then I'm going to come down and I'm going to have evidence for what I'm going to tell you. And here's my evidence. I want you to look now at verse 10 of that passage we were just at. Verse 10. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, the Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. 
Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. And the people made him head and captain over them. Now, notice this now. He didn't have to go win and then become head and captain. They made him head and captain right now. So he already has, if he's just after power and authority, he's already got it. And let me help you. Here's where we often forget God. When we're struggling, man, to climb that ladder, you know, it happens in the church. Somebody's coming, struggling to pay the bills, struggling to keep a job, struggling, you know, working for minimum wage or something, come to church and God starts to bless and all of a sudden, man, they, now they're the, the manager of the store and now they got a good income and now they got the nice house and now they forget God. So Jephthah's got everything now. This is the time you forget God because, okay, I got everything I was seeking and this is further proof that I don't believe that's what he was seeking. Because look at this. It says the people made him head and captain over them. And look at the end of verse 11. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mitzpah. Now, I don't know if this is going to do for you what it did for me. But I, when I read a passage of scripture, immediately I thought, now this is, this is unique to me. He's got all the power now. He's the man now. Now he's going to God. He didn't go to God and say, let him make me powerful. He didn't go to God and say, bring me back and make me the leader. He's made the leader and now he goes to God. So immediately the Lord put on my heart, there's, some, there's a reason there's something here. I mean, there's something deeper here. And I do this often. I could not get away from the word mitzpah. Now, mitzpah is a place. But names are very important to God. If you look all through scripture, everything, virtually every name, names of people, they got meanings. That's why it's important to me, each of our children, we didn't just pick out a name. We picked out names with meaning. Our last child was Tara Lynn Desiree. Tara, height. Lynn, depth. Desiree, desire. She was the height and depth of our heart's desire. Because we believed that she would be our last. And she was the height and depth of our heart's desire. Now, the meaning of the word. So I went to this word mitzvah. And why would he go to Mitzpah? There's so many other places he could have gone, but he goes to Mitzpah to pray. If you ever looked up and defined words like, like I do, this is a lot of the way I say the Bible. But the moment I looked up this word, Brother, Brother Allen, I got excited. Man, I got excited. Because Mitzpah means the secret place. It don't do it for you what it did for me. Jephthah went to his secret place. Jephthah had a secret place with God. Jephthah, instead of being empty and vain, 
He'd found the answer. The answer was a secret place with God. You want to overwhelm the voices that tell you you're no good? You want to conquer them and drive them away? Find God in the secret place. The secret place. I take a walk each night to pray. Truth is, I'm kind of weird. I like the rain. I got rain gear, and I love to walk in the rain. I love it so much that sometimes I have the stuff to put on my head, and I'll take it off just so it gets my hair wet. (laughs) And it takes a lot of rain to find it. (laughs) I was walking last night in the rain, and I walked down and then crossed over this bridge and this incredible lake on either side. It's just beautiful and this rain's coming down and and up there something's moving and there's four or five deer that start running in front of me and it's so quiet. And when I start out, it's cold. And when I get about 30 minutes into that thing, I'm not cold anymore. And by the time, I don't know how long I'm out there. Because once you come into that secret place with God, all the doubts and the fears seem to vanish away. All the burdens of my heart are rolled away. The secret place. You say, Brother Hooker, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it begins in that initial time where you meet God in that secret place for salvation. Have you really truly come to God where you met Him and like everything else is gone now, nothing else matters. And you face the reality that there's no hope in you and you're on your way to hell. And that secret moment with God, you ask Christ to save you. Will you sincerely trust Him 100% to take you to heaven when you die? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in that spot where you, when you stood up, for, you, didn't, you may not understand everything, but one thing you know, you're on your way to heaven now. You're saved. You can't even explain the, the peace, but you know something is different. 
You say, Brother Hooker, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I've trusted Christ, but I still battle with these this haunting words in my heart and my mind and this, this condemnation that comes from Satan. Can I tell you, I'm going to beg you, none of us are exempt from that. I have found in my life that when that comes upon me, you ask my wife, my words to her, or she knows, if I say to her, I've got to go walk, what that means is, is that the burdens and the unanswered questions and the, and the failures of life and something has come upon me where it's just he's talking to me and telling me, what are you doing? Hey, he'll come, he's even come to me since I've been here. What are you doing? Why do you think you could help those people? And I have stopped and say, say, listen to me, I don't think I can, but I know he can. And you know where I get that strength? You know where I get revived? It's when I walk out and go to my secret place. Alone with God. So you, let, you, you hear me. I don't care what your background is. Jephthah was a son of a harlot. I don't care where you've come from and I don't care how much you, you've failed and I don't care how much the devil's told you there's no hope. I'm telling you this morning, there is hope in God. Amen. I'm telling you, there's hope. There's, God has made promise after promise. You can have a life worth living. All you have to do is right here, right now, say, I'm coming to the secret place. Amen. I want to be with God. I want to know Christ. And I don't, not only is for salvation, but I want to know Christ. For the more you know him, the more he'll tell you, I created you. You're my child. I don't create junk. I created you to be used by me. With power. I created you to do something for me. And that's why he tells us don't compare ourselves with ourselves. That's not wise. It doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. God created you special for a purpose. And Jephthah, the son of a harlot, a man who was vain and empty and had no purpose, who lost everything. Somewhere along the way, he found a secret place with God. And now he's run back to his secret place. And what does God do? Here's this son of a harlot, worthless man. And you know what he becomes? He becomes a judge and deliverer of Israel. God said, all along, this is what I had for you, to be the judge of Israel, to be the deliverer of his people. And God said, that's what I had. That's what I had for you. The devil lied to you for years, but this is what I had. And the devil lied to my mama for years, but you know what he had for her? Imperfect as we are, we had four boys to rear. 
And none of us are perfect, but let me tell you this. We grew up loving our mama. We grew up men who knew how to work. We grew up men who believed in God. Because the mama said, I'm going to break the chain. The truth will make you free. Doesn't set you free, because if you're set free, you can be captured again. It makes you free. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love.